All right, we are live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wine, Women, and Words. I'm Michelle, and with me, of course, is Diana Hello. and Lilo. And uh, tonight, we are joined by author Heather Webb, who has Hi. just launched her new book, The Phantom's Apprentice. And Diana is obsessed with it, like not even low key obsessed, like high key obsessed. <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> I mean, I, as I've related to it on the blog, I mean, if this book was a boy, or at least the cover was a boy, you would it would be one of those cute boys that you look like. <laughs> the cover designer is a brilliant person. That is a, an amazing, beautiful cover. I was very thrilled with it. So yeah. yeah they did a nice job. And I have absolutely very, very little input on that. I mean I have a little, but not, you know. Um, it was all them, so. That's awesome. Are there rewards for book covers, out of curiosity? Rewards? Oh, oh you awards. mean some kind of award system? Um, you know, I'm not sure. There's a magazine called Spine Magazine that uh, is fairly new. Eric Wilder is the editor-in-chief. Mm -hmm. He's actually on Twitter. Um, and it's a it's a cool magazine. They, they actually feature all the... the latest designs of the week and as far as i know that's kind of all that's out there there might be some sort of award but i'm not you know not not that i'm aware of um but yeah they feature all kinds of great book covers so there should be some uh, award system out there because there are really great book covers because it's yeah they're art it's it's absolutely art you know mm -hmm. so yeah because we readers we do judge our books by the covers it's we do yeah, it's I like, like to pet them. I like to, pet them. <laughs> you know. Yes. Yeah. So well, I got I got a text from Diana when she first um started reading your book, and then she goes, "So I know that we have an ebook of The Phantom's Apprentice, but I had to go out and buy a heart a, a paperback. I had to get a paperback because it's just too pretty." <laughs> <laughs> Excellent sign. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Well, the problem is sometimes with NetGalley, you don't get the covers. Um, yeah. And I think this was one of the cases where I didn't get the cover on the ebook. So I was like, screw it, I'm going to buy the book. You know, this is uh, this makes me sound like a Luddite, but I, I really don't read ebooks at all. I have three e readers, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't use any of them. And I, I spend so much time on the computer screen with work, um, you know, writing books and I'm a freelance editor as well. So I work on a lot of books with aspiring writers and, and published writers too. Um, that I just, I, it's just a really different experience to hold the book at night. And I can't, I find that to actually be on any kind of screen reading feels like work to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I either do audiobooks or I, which I love, I'm kind of uh, addicted to those right now or print books. So, yeah. So I, I feel you on the no cover thing. That would bother me, you know? <laughs> like I want to hold it and see how heavy it is and flip back and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, Yeah, if I'm given a choice for the books, I'll choose paperback whenever mm -hmm. I have a choice when it comes to advanced copies. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you just don't get a choice and a book is a book, so. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, and there's just some days you go shopping on NetGalley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and request everything. So, ladies, what are we drinking tonight? Um, well, I'm, you know me, I like the high-end stuff. So I am drinking um, California Roots, the $5 Target 
line. We are rarely serious on this show. Um, <laughs> but this is the Pinot Grigio, and I didn't like it that last week that much, but this week it's actually pretty good. It, it might be um, an indicator to the type of week that I've had. It could be. But, but Sometimes three buck chuck gets it done and it doesn't really, you know, mm -hmm. if you need a glass of wine, you know, you'll take right. what you Sometimes you just need wine. Like, I don't care what kind it is. I just need wine. Absolutely. And what are you having, Heather? So I went the opposite end. This is a $20 bottle. Um, I don't tend to buy a lot of $20 bottles just because if that would break the bank if that was my habit all the time. Um, but it says it's Phantom. Ooh, that's, oh, that's Phantom wine with Phantom book. And it's it's actually by Bogle. Or I don't know if you're familiar with Bogle wines. Yeah. But they're 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 pretty um inexpensive and, and accessible. But um this is their sort of reserve blend. And I had it one time and thought, is this worth 20 bucks? And it absolutely is. It's a really <laughs> delicious wine. And it's, um, I don't know if you can see here, it's very dark, full-bodied, delicious, lush. So it's perfect for the book, I thought. And I love that it says Phantom. So it had to be done tonight. <laughs> I went with a theme for the book, too. Um, I went with a red as well. Because, I mean, I think Phantom has to have red. I'm sorry, Michelle. <laughs> so sad. You look wrong. It's okay. I'll, I'll, for, the, for you know, the book of the month in August, obviously that will be the themed wine. Tonight, <laughs> was, tonight was whatever is in my refrigerator. <laughs> hey, it's getting you through the day, right? Exactly. Um, well, mine is called Prophecy. Ooh, and yeah. look at the label. Oh, I've seen that one before, and I've been meaning to try it. It's the Cabernet. We've had the other blends. I know you've had the other blends, Michelle. I think... Yeah, I've had the, I think their white has like a, like a joker on the label, I want to say. Something like that, yeah. Um, this is the Cabernet, and it's really good. It's kind of got a uh, spice to it. Um, nice little spice kick. Like a spicy wine, for sure. I think Excellent. So, uh, Heather, when Diana first told me about your book, um, first it was kind of like, a text like, hey, check out this book. It sounds really interesting. And then it became, we need to have her on the show. Should I should I tweet her? Would it be weird to tweet her and tell her that I want her to come on the show? And then it was, we well, we got copies of the book. You need to read it. Oh, my God, why aren't you reading this book? You need to read this book right away. <laughs> and then I that line and then, everyone else because she wasn't reading the book. And I, I had to read it because I had to do the book review. Um, so because Michelle wasn't reading it, I, everybody else who was listening, I started bothering Heather and started messaging Heather. <laughs> I just got to this part of the, I can't believe this. Um, That's so not had, bothering me. That's all good. <laughs> substitute Michelle because those are the conversations Michelle and I typically have, including uh, fantasy casting. Oh, yes. I'd love to hear your fantasy cast. Ooh, I feel awesome. like... When you're a book of the month, you look at the fantasy cast. Oh, okay. We'll hold that off till later. <laughs> <laughs> that will be very fun because, I mean, to be honest, I've never seen Phantom of the Opera like on Broadway or on the stage. I was introduced to Phantom um, thanks to, oh my, Gerard Butler, 
which I mean, <laughs> it's not a bad way to be introduced it's to not. the opera. No, not bad at all. no, it's not. Yeah. But the, you but, know, the original is not a Gerard Butler. He's actually kind of creepy. Yeah. But Gerard Butler's pretty hot. He's a hot phantom. Right. I was like, I wouldn't mind. Like you can stop me. That's, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe slightly unhinged, but I mean, we've all been there. <laughs> so I'm really excited to start reading your book so we can do the fantasy casting because I feel like I feel like your phantom might walk the fine line between creepy no. and dirt. No, no, am I wrong? You are wrong. No, I'm just yeah. wrong. Um, I'm sorry. For those of you who are going to pick up this book, and you should, especially by August. Um I kept thinking the same thing. You gotta get the you gotta get the Phantom of the Opera as we have romanticized him out of your heads. Oh, and, and Heather, you pointed out there are a couple good things. It's not giving away any kind of um uh spoilers. If you there's you put in some great notes and it'd be great for you to expand on that in the book about where you came up with this phantom and all of that. So right now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, the original, he's, well, first of all, the book was written um, sort of in the style that Dickinson wrote some of his books, which were technically little snippets of the story that were published in a serial newspaper. And that's exactly how The Phantom was written uh, originally. So when you read the novel itself, it has a bit of an unruly feel, especially if you study craft and you study books and just, we have a much more sort of homogenized way of consuming stories today than the way that they were presented then. So, um, the point of view shifts a lot. It's actually, a lot of it is in Raoul's point of view, which is a little bit shocking. It's all third person. Um, until the epilogue, which then it's in the Persian's voice talking about the Phantom. Uh, but he's, he's, um, he's a very tragic human being, but he's pretty freaking creepy. <laughs> you definitely feel sorry for him, but he's a stalker and he's creepy and he does horrible things to people. Um, and so what Andrew Lloyd Webber did so brilliantly, which started this massive outpouring of love for this for this book again in the modern times because it happened again in the 1930s actually there's an original um well not original but there's a film in the 1930s of the phantom take it just google pictures of that 1930s version and he looks like skeletor i mean i've seen bits of that he's yeah and so that's actually a closer interpretation to the novel so then you get andrew lloyd weber coming in and he understands that people want big show they want great music they want romance they want ex you know that tension and excitement and he did it brilliantly mm -hmm. but the problem with it is that it actually changed the scope of the story quite a bit um the one thing i think that weber also did um he preserved the sort of caricature feel of the females from the original novel and and I think of that as a negative thing that you know you have the sort of the shrill um snotty stuck up Carlotta who's vindictive and then you have the sort of innocent uh weeping wilting Christine who's led around by by you know the men in her life and she's dominated by one or the other and um 
there's again, we all love it for some reason. There's there's a lot there to love, but I just think that especially with with this huge movement of women moving forward and literature changing, I just was like, who the hell is Christine? I want to know what she has to say and is she sitting there like crying in a corner somewhere while they're, you know, she's got this stalker running around and then she has the beautiful boy who thinks she's beautiful and like what is going on here? Um and I loved love loved both the Weber version and the, the original guest on the Rue version. So um there's just something I carry with me always since I've been, well, since I was 15. So, um, yeah, I really wanted to kind of marry the two versions. Uh, and really I did that only because modern readers know the Weber version much more than they know the novel version. I kind of would have just expounded off the novel, but I thought they're going to say, no, 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 that didn't happen. And da, 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 da. she's a brunette and she's this and that. And that's all the stage version and it's not the novel. So I decided that the best thing to do would be to marry the two versions together, like for a framework and then expound on my own characters from there. So, so you do get an Eric that is much creepier. I mean, I think that there's a, there's some sexual tension there with him and her still. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, with the twists that I put in, you know, I can't say too much. It's <laughs> a big plot point. Yeah, but the relationship is one of the things I have to try to think about too. Is that the book does what? Um, the uh, let's see how can I phrase this properly. The book is opposite. It does everything that I hate. One words. What's the phrase this way? Yeah, trying to avoid the spoilers, trying to avoid other things. And trying to phrase this properly, one of the things I hate about YA is the fact that there's a distinct lack of strong females and this distinct lack of really in some ways. I know somebody's probably going to get angry about this, but there's a distinct lack of feminism in the books. You have this crappy douchey guy who's always older, so you can't play. He's just a teenage boy who doesn't know any better, and the girl just falls for him no matter what he does. The whole, okay, you're going to abuse me, but it's going to be worth it because you're going to be where I find my happiness. Um, what I really liked about this book is that it's the opposite of that. Um, and I, I love that. And um, you see you see those examples of abusive relationships. You see those examples of you know, things that are actually toxic and you actually get to see Christine working through them and you get to see this great character growth within Christine herself. Um, and that's one of the things that makes this book so good. Besides those really great plot twists um, that I cannot wait to get those midnight texts from Michelle going, oh my God, this actually happened in this book. And oh my God, I'm going to hate this character, aren't I? <laughs> Because yeah, which, those texts do do go through quite often, especially when <laughs> Diana has already read the book and I have not, which I think in this situation uh, kind of works to our benefit because right now Diana knows everything that will happen, so she can pose the thoughtful yet teasing questions <laughs> about the book. And when we're actually doing the book of the month in August, I can provide the colorful commentary about, oh my God, what is happening? Wasn't the fortune teller that when we read it, there was a point where we're reading one of the books of the month and I was ahead of her. And she's like, I really like this character. 
he's really great. He's gonna stay around, isn't he? And you're like, oh, he's an ass. He's like, oh, this wine, this wine is really good. Let me just, I'll just drink this. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to give it away. And I, I set this up to where, so it was, it was a really difficult book to write, honestly, for for a lot of reasons. One being that. Um, I had these two versions I had to marry together and still create my own story around them and flesh out all these characters that already exist. But the other thing was that um, there are a lot of preconceived ideas of how everybody should, should react and feel and think in the story. And so that was tough. I had to sort of battle through. It doesn't matter if they think this. I hear Christine's voice in my head and she's saying this and I just had to kind of go that way. Um, so, so yeah, I'm glad that you picked up on the, I, I definitely gave her a more modern sense of agency, but I tried to keep it fairly realistic for the time period because there were women that struck out and did amazing things and in fact those are the, the types of characters i gravitate towards obviously you know i'm looking for these characters that did things that your average person didn't do so i still tried to keep it where uh, fairly realistic something that she she could absolutely accomplish um with the right support and i tried to give her that right support network so yeah, yeah the, her, the supporting cast is just is great um, I've got one friend who's, she's come on the show before to fill in for Michelle, um, who, if the supporting characters are not well thought out, she will actually put the book down and be done with it. Um, so she, she would approve of this. I've actually handed her my book. She beta read my book for me and I've like, I've been like, okay, be honest with me. How do you feel about my, my side characters? I had you in mind. Um, so she has yeah. a great point, you know, actually the, the secondary characters are, are often some of my favorite to write. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because I don't feel pressure with those to, um, I don't know what it is, feel pressure to fully develop them, but you still have to develop them some, you still have to make them interesting and vibrant and you still have to make them realistic. But I, I tend to feel less shackled when I'm working on a secondary character. So I end up having a lot of fun with them. I loved writing Claudette. She's not in the original. That's what I was looking for her. I was looking for her name. Yeah. So I was going to say, I love Christine's BFF. She was great. <laughs> yeah. She was a lot of fun to write. Um, and the same thing happened in Last Christmas in Paris, the book mm -hmm. that came out in October. Um, I wrote the best friend character in that book and I loved writing her voice because I just didn't feel encumbered. I thought, you know, I'm just going to have this character support and react to the main character and, and still have her stuff going on. But again, without the pressure. So that's the secondary characters for me are really fun to write, you know? Yeah, and I really did love uh, Carlota. Um, you created a great diva. <laughs> I, love I love my bad guys to begin with. I mean, so I can rally you too. <laughs> you can feel, maybe you can feel me loving. I, I love a good bitch. I mean, <laughs> use my language, but I just do. So she was, she was very fun to write. As much as you want on this show. We, we have potty mouths. The more we drink, the worse we get. <laughs> that makes sense. Diana <laughs> is slowly paying for my daughter's college fund. Yeah, you, has she been keeping a, a running bill for me yet? I'm sure she has somewhere. <coughs> There's a jar somewhere. Crayon, that crayon bill from her. 
<laughs> she'll, she'll write up an invoice. Yeah, have her send it to me. So anyways, you love a good bitch. Yes, divas are fun to write. And I think, um, again, Carlotta, just like Christine, was very one-dimensional in the original and in the stage play. I mean, she just comes out, she's horrible to her. Uh, and so I wanted to show why. Why is she like that? What's going on behind her, you know, her, what's what's her backstory? Um, what drove her to be like this on the stage? Besides being self-important, she's clearly self-important, but but most divas are. I mean, that's, that's where that term comes from. It comes from an opera diva. So... Um, yeah, so that was that was fun too, and you know some of those things surprise you. You're you'll literally be writing something, and then all of a sudden the characters start saying things on the page that you don't expect, and that happened with Carlotta, where I thought, oh, oh, so that's who she is. All right, I can <laughs> yeah, get behind that. Yeah, Carlotta, you get that real sense that she she's gonna do whatever it takes to survive. She doesn't care who is in her way. She is going to survive. She is going to end up on top, not just yeah. on her feet. She is going to end up on top. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And there are real people like that, you know, mm -hmm. and she felt like that kind of character to me. Um, mm -hmm. so. so, yeah, you, you get that sympathy for her. You can't just you can despise her like you would a mean girl, but you can't actually hate her as a character because you get some sympathy about where she's actually coming from in her life. <laughs> <laughs> that means I've done my job. <laughs> And she's just sitting over there going, mission complete. <laughs> yeah, that's what I aim to do is to show even, I mean, and it's funny, I just did that laugh because when I'm teaching craft courses or writing, you know, writing blog posts or whatever for writing sites, I call them the wahaha villain. To have a wahaha villain is very, again, super flat. Not everyone is, they're not all completely bad even someone who is kind of horrible has a backstory mm -hmm. so if you can kind of dig into it a little bit and reveal where their pain comes from then all of a sudden they're a lot less detestable you know almost like an anti-hero a little bit mm -hmm. so and those are fun those are again they're fun to read they're fun i love watching them on tv i love to write them <clears throat> Absolutely. They're I mean, complex, you know. Villain to get behind. And I mean, really, when you look at villains, I mean, you're looking at it from the perspective of the hero. But in that villain story, your hero is their villain. And that villain that you're seeing now is the hero in their own story, in their own world. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So the villain I keep thinking of well, as we're talking about that is Regina from Once Upon a Time. That's and you know what? Oh, yeah. Casting for fantasy casting, she would make a good Carlota. She would. <laughs> she would. You know, the only character, you know, the only person I could think of for, for Carlotta, and not while I was writing it, but somebody else, some other interview, they asked me, who would you cast for that? And I was like, who in the world? I have no idea. And you just nailed it. But I said, Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> I thought... She's the got the diva, like. supremely talented and beautiful, and no, 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 no. such All a diva. Mariah Carey is if she was in the middle of the stage for the operetta, she'd be like, "Excuse me, somebody promised me tea." Yeah. <laughs> My mic is not working. My mic is not working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you can even make it through her first performance. Um, I, I watch uh, Mozart in the Jungle, and so oh, I, I love that show. 
So I kept thinking in season two there was um, a diva. Yes. With in Italy, and I, I was yes. her in the role too. She'd and be so, fabulous. Yeah. She was beautiful and tragic and so full of her own angst. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Just they played that so beautifully. I thought just that that humor, that tongue in cheek over this this self important drama of musicians. It was really cool. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <clears throat> you see, guys, now for August, this is just a prequel of what's going to end up happening for the end of August when we do a full-on fantasy cast. And the last but, episode of August, by the way, is going to be full of spoilers. So we're just going to be openly talking freely about the books. So we don't have to hear about any of this. Okay, cool. Yeah, you have six months to read the book, or you can wait until August and read the book with us. But at the end of the month, it's no holds barred mm -hmm. but the fantasy casting happens all month like we have debates we have full-fledged like candidates and debates on who would be good so we take our fantasy casting very seriously i'm up for that let's do it but you said you mentioned something really quick about the backstory and i almost feel like when you're taking characters that people already know the backstory is the most fun to write because you get to decide how they got to the point where people already know them and you can shape kind of shape them in a way that they hadn't been shaped before if that yes. makes sense. yeah no it does you know it was it was um good and bad it was bad because i felt like i had to end up at this place where the reader recognizes who these characters are, the famous characters. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I honestly, as much as I love the musical, when, when, from an author's point of view, really examining those characters, I realized they're not, I don't like any of them. <laughs> so what do I do? I have to make all of them, somehow be sympathetic and build in something interesting about them that got them to this point. And, um, and so that part was fun. You're right. It was, it was, uh, took a lot of invention and, um, and I have to tell you, this was one of the most difficult and painful things I've written. And I'm, I'm working on book five right now. Um, and this so by far and away has been the most difficult. And I, I think it's because, I'm, I was balancing so much and then bringing in, like you said, creating that backstory um, to create both a recognizable and a new at the same time character for the reader. So um, lots and lots and lots of angst. You could ask my, my writing partners. They, um, they would sort of browbeat me and be like, move along. Let's go. Get your words in. Keep going. Keep going. So, um, but I made it and I learned a lot and, and I love it. I love what I've made, whether, you know, however it's received or not, you kind of have to come to that point. I think if you're a writer, you just have to love it yourself and put it out and be done with it. So. Well, I think it's going to be received quite well. I mean, obviously I gave good reviews on it and obviously we're going to like it. Um, but I think everybody, since we've come up almost to our out, full hour, but everybody else, um, pick up the book now. It's available now. So go ahead and buy it. And actually, it was available on Amazon before your um, publishing date. 
Yeah, just in one of the formats. I had it, I did, we had sort of a soft release so that the, the print would go out just a couple of weeks before the actual release date, but not for the electronic version. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah uh, I got this one was through the print. I was like, oh, I could get it before it releases. Yeah, is. yeah. Um, so a yeah, little experiment, but yeah. <laughs> it totally, yeah, it totally worked. So, or at least I think it worked then. <laughs> well, thank but you very much. <laughs> so guys pick it up now um go ahead and start reading it it is a great book you will not be disappointed and thank you heather so much for coming on um, thank you for having me girls ladies women <laughs> strong women thank you <laughs> I well this is gonna be a lot of fun i'm excited about yeah i hope you enjoy it michelle <laughs> oh i'm sure i will i have no doubt it's I know Michelle's taste quite well. It's right up Michelle's alley. It screams Michelle. So <laughs> I should have put her in the acknowledgments. You should. Yeah. I mean, you know, it would have been nice, but <laughs> for the next, next time. book. <laughs> next time. <laughs> yeah, just put capital letters, Michelle Davis, and just capital letters so that this way you're one L. Michelle with one L. <laughs> Your parents are two two poor divide uh, two L's, right? <laughs> You know, the uh, cut had to be made, and it was either the E or the L, and they went with the L. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> well, thank well, thank you so much, Heather. Thank you, ladies. And, and we'll, we'll I'll see you, see you in August. August. Yes. yes. You're going to come All back right. in August, and we'll have the time right and everything. <laughs> Bye. Good night. Bye. Okay. All right. Now we're shifting gears. Shifting gears to our book of the month. And we're going to go a little over the hour, guys. So hope you all don't mind. Um, so wouldn't it be something? Yes. And my copy seems to have grown legs and walked away because I could have sworn it was on the table and it is not. So I'm glad you have yours. This is a book, guys. Feel free to pick it, this one up, too, if you haven't gotten it already. It's another lovely book. Um, Wanna Be Lovely by Dennis Dupsik. okay. And I'm my Italian, so I'm mispronouncing English words all of a sudden. Well, he, and I know you're not too far into it just because it's been a crazy week for you. Yeah. So where are you? Because I've, I read most of it already earlier in the summer, but I haven't finished it yet. Chapter two? <laughs> so the thing that when when you start reading this book it starts out kind of like I mean it's a very um, it's a very informal book it's almost like just a conversation between Dennis who wrote kind of the first couple of chapters setting the stage mm -hmm. and then it goes into the letters but what I love once you once you get to the letters and you start reading um, Maggie's letters to him, like first she starts off and she's 17 years old and she's you know trying to figure out what she wants to do and you have to remember this is you know during the Vietnam War so it's you know not she's not like the women of today that are like oh I'm gonna go out I'm gonna get a job I'm gonna go to college. She has the mindset of the 60s, 70s, 60s. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Here's a, Mind a, a section. You know more. Actually, I found the section here that you're talking about. 
I haven't decided if I should go into a career or get married. Should I go out and earn a man's salary or stay at home and take it take it away from him? I've heard of a of the gal who refused the man's marriage proposal and they both lived happily ever after. Um, actually, I think I have more of a maternal instinct and should just find a job till the right crackpot, I mean, jackpot comes along. I'm like, already in that, in that little section, you just love her. And it's, you know, this is one of those things. Okay. So guys, here's my current dilemma. Before we started the show, and one of the reasons why I was glad to have the interruption from Heather going, isn't the time for us to start? Um, I... Doing historical fiction writing, you have to not only get the historical facts right, you have to get the language right. You have to know what people were saying in your time period. For example, the word trek did not start to get used until 1849. So the phrase, we trek through the jungle, you can't use. Then you go and you research synonyms for said word trek. Apparently, hike did not get started until 1850, I think it is. So definitely after the time period that I'm reading, because I need something during the 1830s. And 1849 is a little late for my book. So, yeah, I was researching that. So you got to get that language right. And what I love about these letters, even though I haven't gotten as far into them as I should, is that you get the language, you get a feel for how they speak in 1965. So if you're writing a novel that's set in 1965, you get an idea for how they speak. Because they're not going to use words and catchphrases the same way where we use them. They're not going to be like, oh, awesome. Uh, the word dude will not be in anybody's vocabulary in 1965. Uh, possibly a surfer on the beach in California. But for somebody, you know, a nice couple in Chicago, not going to be in their vocabulary. So I really, it's a, it's a really good resource. It is. An, and that's one of the things that I loved so much about, about this book when I first started reading it was like, it's, it's like a time machine. Like these aren't, and I, I think I said this last week, but it's not a historical fiction writer trying to channel what a 17-year-old girl would write in a letter in 1965. This is an actual girl, a teenager, writing a letter in 1965. And it talks about, you know, and you'll you'll get, as you get further along, they'll start talking about not, I mean, not like with each other, but just a very abstract conversation about what she feels, you know, a sexual relationship should be between a man and a woman. And it's just so interesting to read. It's, it's like, it's like being nosy without being nosy, which works out for me because I'm very nosy. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. Um, I, I like it. I, I like the idea of it. And then you, you get this sense of, for character building, what's going on in these characters' minds, because it's something that you're always wondering, and you don't want to necessarily input too much of that modern view into a character. Um, it's always a struggle for any author who's writing historical fiction. Um, you can't look at it with a modern lens. Although... Maggie was already, I mean, even for, the, for her age at the time, she was very modern thinking for mm -hmm. for that time. I mean, she decided that she 
didn't want to wait around and wait for you know for a man I, I believe when they first started writing each other I want to say she had a boyfriend mm -hmm. and she just started writing to him just to be nice because it was her sister's brother-in-law or her sister's husband's brother so and she knew yeah. he was oh well, not, not quite brother-in-law but yeah yeah like connected by marriage but not really um and she just started writing to be nice like not out you know not for any you know ulterior motive although that you know they'd started developing feelings for each other later but i think she had a boyfriend when they first started writing to each yeah, other so she got engage, uh, her engagement photo shortly after, shortly after mm -hmm. high school in there um but in those days it was a thing to have somebody to write to to get that mail call was a big deal back then because it meant that you had people who cared about you from home um i was doing research for in the NaNoWriMo book um, at one point, and I was researching the World War II letters that the soldiers were sending home and the spouses and family were sending to the soldiers. And they were just so happy to get any letter, any letter at all from home. And they always make sure that was the one thing they did was they had somebody who would write to them. They had to have a pen pal for while they were gone. And with modern technology, we've kind of lost that. Um, I know. I kind of wish. I think I wrote Rich a couple like actual handwritten letters while he was deployed, but mm -hmm. I I don't think I got a single one back. <laughs> I got a card with flowers that the florist at the florist shop wrote for him. <laughs> I got a sweet card for my husband um, that I have somewhere around here. Um, but yeah, I didn't get any letters from him and I didn't really send him any letters either. Um, we get the occasional Valentine's Day cards. No. Yeah, I think I think I wrote one because I was like, you you can't be deployed and not get like a handwritten letter from me. Like you're you're gonna get at least one. Mm -hmm. But um, but Dennis mentions like early in the book when he was in boot camp and everyone was getting letters during boot camp that everyone knew that the only letters he would get were from his mom at mm -hmm. first. So they would all like tease him and kind of like give him a hard time about getting a letter from his mom. So when Maggie's first letter arrived, he was just like, oh, it's a girl. And like, he didn't mention that she was like, kind of, you know, like his not sister-in-law, sister-in-law, mm -hmm. and that she was just like some little, you know, kid that he, he knew somehow. So he was stoked to have a girl writing him. <laughs> but he's just so sweet. I'm so excited for him to be on the show because you just, can't help but but love him when you talk to him. Yay! <laughs> I'm yeah. looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to me reading more of the book. Um, yeah, it's unfortunately, um, it, I'm coming up into those these crunch weeks. Um, you know, getting over. So I got over having a sinus infection, right? Yesterday I started coming down with a cold, and I've been fighting a cold all day because my my husband, he's a giver. <laughs> <laughs> He just wants to share. That's sweet. Oh, apparently. So guys, get this. this is gonna, you guys are going to laugh about this one. So as you all know, he works nights. He comes home in the morning. In my sleep, I was like, oh, honey, are you feeling better? And he was like, no. I was like, oh, come cuddle with me. I'll make you better. Come cuddle. Just cuddle. Regular cuddle. 
I know where your mind's and going. Cuddle is a euphemism for is cuddle. not. I was ha I was <laughs> I do not remember this happening. And I curled up with him and I got all of his cold germs all over me. And now I'm fighting this cold. And I'm like, I got your cold, you asshole. And he was like, well, you want to cuddle? And I was like, no, I didn't. The sweet moment is over. Yeah. And he was like, this is what happened. I'm like, son of a bitch. And my subconscious, I'm like this nice, loving white. <laughs> now I'm not so sure how I feel about this. And I actually told him today, I was like, do not be surprised if you wake up with me pinning you down, breathing on you. On <laughs> take you. it back. Take it back. <laughs> yeah, so it's mine is yours, babe. I'm just saying. Because, <laughs> I mean, after 13 years of marriage, you got to do something to keep the spark alive, right? And sharing cold germs is totally, I actually read that in Cosmo, that it's one of the ways to, to keep the fire burning. That is fantastic. See, I'm always on the cutting edge. <laughs> You're ahead of the trend, and you didn't even know there was a trend. I make the trends. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, my um, yeah, I forgot where I was going to go with that. I kind of, <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's the wine. I, I've been drinking more wine tonight than I know. I'm, I can't say normally do. I, I haven't finished the bottle yet. Um, more wine than I was planning on because I'm figuring wine is just going to be like a cleanser. You know, it cleanses all the germs because of the alcohol. I've done that. Yeah, I'm just going to get rid of all the germs. Here. That's Whatever plan. works because you need to be healthy in three weeks. Yes, three weeks. Plus, actually, two weeks. Because uh, I've got the uh, genre writing um conference at the end. Oh, that's right. If you guys are in the Los Angeles area, you need to go ahead and uh, sign up for that. Um, it's going to be the end of February. I will be there on Saturday. I'm going to be moderating the panel for the keynote speaking address. That was a weird smile. I, I'm more excited for you than I looked in that one smile. Okay. Go ahead. A... <laughs> There you go. <laughs> and those for, and those for those of you listening, you even got a bit of a sound with that too. So <laughs> you can imagine her smile. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna be doing the keynote moderating for that. So Deborah Pratt, who was on the show last month, and um, Christina Sigala, I think I'm pronouncing that right, who's going to be coming on the show next month. It will be on that panel. Um, and then I'm also gonna be on a panel about research and historical fiction. And I can bitch about the fact that the word Trek was not used during my time period of my book. As you're doing all this, you're like, and we're going to talk about that at the panel. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then March 3rd is Boku de Oro, which has been taking up the vast majority of my time because I've been doing a, bu a bunch of uh, social media marketing. I will be posting a link to the event on our page. So for those of you who are in the SoCal area, you can come down. Um, you can see a lot of authors who have been on the show and some authors who are coming on the show. Um, Christina Julian is just added. If you guys remember, she was on the show. In I saw that. Oh, no, she was on the show in September. Um, oh, because I was at the Outer Banks when she came on. Was Oh, I thought she, I thought that was whatever, September, August, because that was also, did we have Erica? I thought you were on the Outer Banks when Erica was on. There were two authors that we had while I was there. But anyway. Yeah, she was yeah. on the show before. That's all you guys need to know. 
Right. Um, <laughs> and then um, Jana and Joyce were on the show last month, uh, and their book is our book of the month in November. Um, Jennifer Lamb, her book is uh, our book of the month for the month of March. Uh, she'll be there, so you guys can come on March third, get your book, and you can get it signed by Jennifer while you're there too, and have it in time to read along with us for the month of March. Can I send you money and have her sign a copy and just send it to me? Do you want me? I've got your copy of the book. Do you want me to just hold on to it until the festival and have her sign it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That'd be so <laughs> yeah, so I didn't send it out. Yeah, I was planning on sending it out before March, but I can send it out to you that first week. Oh, that'd be so fun. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll hold on to your copy and have her sign your copy. These events are basically Wine Women Awards events with different names. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Even though I'm hosting this one through, technically through Creating Her Story, um, the Women's Voices, it's still kind of um, Wine Women Awards because we all just kind of blend together. It's really just one big old melting pot. It's basically just another step towards our master plan of complete and total world domination. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. So I think we are we are at our hour. As you guys noticed, um, we did start a little early. That's okay. Um, if you guys are just checking in with us now, we're gonna have the link posted so you can watch it all from the very beginning. Um, and you guys have a great night. Read more from this, yes. just like me. <laughs> Keep we'll reading. And who are we having on next week? Uh, Heather Reinhardt, another author from Boca de Oro. So she is going to, Ooh. she is adorable. She is a lot of fun. Um, lots of great energy and stories. And I always, she and I like to get together at um, a cafe in LA and talk. And we're usually the loudest people in the cafe. Um, so yeah, she's going to be a lot of fun. She has, she does a lot with self-love and um, sometimes you have to be tough on yourself with self-love. <laughs> Um, so that means like, you know, when you're sick, you should stay home and take care of yourself and get better. Uh, so tomorrow you should stay home and take care of yourself and feel better. Tomorrow night I will. I have to go to work tomorrow. I have to go to work tomorrow, but tomorrow night I'm going to be in my PJs watching opening ceremonies for the Olympics. That there is you go. Um, so guys, yeah, keep reading. Yes. And we'll see you all next week. Yes. Good night. Bye.